0: Welcome to Days Aurora, Detroit Tigers Podcast, brought to you by the Detroit Free Press. My name is Mark Gorash. I am here with Tigers beat writer Evan Petzold after a monstrous Miguel Cabrera party weekend and the end of the 2023 baseball season. Evan Petzold, you don't have anywhere to go tomorrow morning what a great day Tuesday is going to be. Yeah, for I'm pretty you. excited. AJ
1: Hinch though said today that it's not the off season. It's just the non-game season. So I kind of feel the same way um, at certain times, but it definitely is going to be nice to be able to, again, like that, that this is my bread and butter, man, is, is to be able to have some of these stories. Like I said last week that I'm really excited to write more, you know, player by player reflection, you know, type story that kind of looks back on, you know, what did they learn? Like, what did they take away? what's their game plan for the off season. Like I love those stories and it's waking up in the morning, getting up at 9am, you know, getting the coffee going and, and kind of typing away and, you know, kind of seeing where the day takes me. But like those, those are the best days. Like I, I love that mindset that I'm in when I'm writing. So, um, it was a long season. It was a grind. I mean, when you think about going from the Super Bowl until now, um, that, that's, that's a lot of time and it's, it's games every day because that's how it is. Like in Lakeland, you get down there and, you know, clubhouse opens up and there's, you know, practice stuff that goes on where it's, you know, guys are throwing bullpens and then they're going to do some live VPs. And then, you know, games get going pretty quick down in Lakeland. And from that point on, it basically feels like there's a game every single day. It's a long season, but I'm, I'm happy with how it
0: went. And let me remind our listeners who work every day and work hard every day. Uh, on Saturday, when you're probably not working, Evan Petzold's working. And on Sunday... When you're rarely working, Evan Petzold's working. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, and I'm on excited. Monday, to, hey, I'm excited. When when yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I, okay, go ahead. Do your thing. I'll let you give me the praise. And on Monday, when there's an off day and the Tigers aren't playing, Evan Petzold's likely still working or traveling or flying back from Oakland or doing something, okay? So the grind of being a beat writer beginning, you know, last week of February it finally ended and you get to at least for a little while live a more normal life like the rest of us definitely do. has
1: like 9 so, to 5 vibes right can- now so that's yeah that's pretty much what it is and that that's really nice like i and i love that and there's flexibility within that too where you know i can work ahead and get certain things done if i want to go golf in the morning i'm able to go golf in the morning but then you know my day kind of turns into you know maybe that's more of a 12 to 7 than that day Regardless, like those are really nice things, and I'm happy for the offseason. It's great to be able to now, as a married man, spend a lot of time with my wife and um, time with family. And those are things that you know I don't really get the opportunity to do. I don't get to go to like Fourth of July parties. I'm working. I don't get to go to you know weekends away up north with with family, right? Because I'm working. And so um, to be able to get some of that now, I try to do my I do my very best to cherish those moments and uh, just be super present in them. So looking forward to it. But again, it was a great season. And it was also also like an awesome week for the Tigers. Just first and foremost, it was a five in one week um, since April 13th, 76 and 75 to finish the season. That's 151 games where they played above 500 ball. I think that's really impressive. And then obviously the Miguel Cabrera weekend was, I mean, that was just amazing. Like uh, hat tip to the Tigers, the way they handled it. Hat tip to AJ Hinch. I mean, holy shit, AJ Hinch. That was really impressive. And, and obviously hats to to Miguel Cabrera for a legendary career. You know, I don't know. I, I, I got reflective a lot this weekend, just thinking a lot about, you know, my grandpa and thinking about my dad and thinking about, you know, my childhood growing up, you know, all of us from Michigan, um, me growing up in Detroit, you know, my grandpa has stories on stories on stories about Al Kaline. My dad is the same way with Alan Trammell. And like, I remember growing up, my dad telling me, Evan, you got to watch this guy. You got to watch this guy. You're not going to see anything like it. And I'm so happy that he said that because I got a chance to really enjoy Miguel Cabrera, both as a fan of Miguel Cabrera, as like a baseball person, as somebody who just really loves the game, Um, Then obviously got to see a totally different side of him covering the team. And it's cool because my grandpa has stories about Al Kaline. My dad has stories about Tram. And I have stories about Miguel Cabrera, but I also have stories in a way that like they they can't talk about Al Kaline and, and Alan Trammell the way that I can talk about Miguel Cabrera. And I think that's really cool. And so that kind of kicked in for me. It was, it was amazing. It was, it was really awesome. So shout out to the Tigers. Shout out to AJ Hinch and shout out to Miguel Cabrera, um, a living legend.
0: Well, I'd like to say uh, for all the times I like to uh, take down the Tigers PR department, and obviously I have my reasons, and I do blow them up about more than anyone. Uh, I'd like to compliment them of. What a just absolutely tremendous job between the PR, the marketing, the event staff, every human being that works down at Comerica. They just, it was a weekend that... uh, It was first class. It was first class type of stuff. stuff. Class all the way. A hundred percent. Class all the way. Fans had a great time for three straight days. The... (laughs) The event on Saturday was great. The event Sunday, you wondered how they could top Saturday, and the baseball gods were with them because in every way humanly possible, they made it the most special day for Miguel you could possibly do. But even just the little small touches that you might not appreciate as much at the time, he will appreciate. 25 years from now that his kids got to announce his first at bat and they got to run out on the field and walk him off. Those are just the kind of things that you can appreciate, but you can't really appreciate them until later when you get a chance to it's everything pattern, i mean it's everything you know? mark it's, so, it's um, yeah it's you know the kids up there saying it, well first
1: off it starts with the first pitch right and then before his first at bat like they get to go up there and they get to announce over the loudspeakers you know it's it's now batting number 24 our father miguel cabrera and you know miguel kind of puts his head down a little bit gives like kind of a nod and and a smile but like you could tell that that was that was special for him he did not see that coming it's it's hard to surprise miguel cabrera he likes to have his plan he likes to know kind of Okay, hey, what's the game plan for me over the next three series? When am I going to play? He's got a lot he has, has to take care of, right? Like his his body is is not in good shape, so all season long, and and even going back to when AJ Hinch got hired, like planning these things out for Miguel was always always paramount. Like that that was so important, you know, to helping him get through you know these final you know three four seasons was like got to have a plan for him. You ha- you you can't you can't catch him off guard with anything. And AJ Hinch did a great job with that. Miguel Cabrera did a great job working with AJ Hinch. But it was so cool to see some of those subtle surprises, man. It was the first pitch. It was announcing, you know, his first at bat. And then when he came off the field, AJ Hinch walks out there and you know goes to make the the, the the lineup change. And he walks out there to Miguel to take him out of the game. His kids are right there with him. And and AJ Hinch again, like I, I just keep going back to this because you know there is a feel as a manager. You have to have feel in a situation like that. You can't just say okay you know, whenever it seems like the best moment, you know, whatever, we'll just like go with it. Like, no, like you want to find the perfect moment. And AJ Hinch has never had to do that for any player before. I mean, like there have been send-offs, there have been, you know, curtain calls that he's been a part of, but nothing like this. I mean, this is is a a legendary type of player. This is a first ballot Hall of Famer. And for him to not pull him off the field after the four-pitch walk in the seventh inning, I, I was like, okay, I thought that was the perfect time. And I think a lot of fans did too. They started cheering for him, but he stays in the game to run the bases grounds into a double play and I'm just going to tell the story of how it goes down. I mean, grounds in a double play comes back to the dugout and I'm watching, I'm watching Miguel's every move because I'm like, okay, like what's, what's going on here. And is he really going to get a chance to play first base? And I see AJ go talk to him and then Miguel spends the rest of that half inning. I think it was just the final out, but there was a double from Veerling, and then um, and then an out after that. And so he had a minute and he was talking to Torkelson and I said, Oh boy, here we go. You know, when he's talking to Torkelson like that, like almost kind of game planning for something. And and I had to figure he's taking over first base. What I didn't understand is that Miguel Cabrera doesn't have a glove. He threw his glove away in spring training because he wasn't going to play first base anymore. And I mean, it's what the hell, why do I need a glove? I'm not playing first base. And so he needed an extra glove from Torkelson. Torkelson says, I don't have an extra glove that's broken in, but you can take my glove. And so Torkelson gives Cabrera the glove, which is nicknamed Gamer. That's the, that's the nickname of the glove. And Miguel Cabrera goes out there and none of his teammates join him. And he gets to have his moment there at first base. And I'm listening to Dan Dickerson on the call. I'm also listening to the atmosphere. And Dan Dickerson is like, okay, maybe he's going to throw some warm-up tosses and then they're going to, you know, make the send-off. They leave him in there for a play. And A.J. Hinch was thinking, okay, maybe one play, maybe two plays. We'll see how it goes. I just want He wanted Miguel Cabrera to touch the ball whether that was a ground ball to the infield and, you know, Miguel catches it and that's it. That would have been perfect. It was even better than that. Again, shout out baseball gods. Like Torkelson believes in them. I guess maybe I'll have to, to believe a little bit too, but like, it, it was so beautiful. The ground ball from Quan, the pick on the backhand, it was so beautiful. And it was the second pitch. It was the second pitch. The first pitch strike on the outside corner to Quan second pitch slider at the bottom of the zone from Will Vest. And he just, Pulls it right to Torkel. I mean, right to, to compare, excuse me. Backhand runs, beats him to the bag, points his finger in the air, pumps his chest coming around. It, it was, it was beautiful. It was just beautiful. It, it was
0: like a movie, like a damn
1: movie. Gives the glove back to, gives the glove back to Torkelson, signs the glove. They also put a ton of things on the glove. There's four, four-time batting champ, 12-time all-star, 3,000 hits, 500 home runs. Triple Crown 2012, ALMVP 2012-13, signed by Cabrera, given to Torkelson, he's going to keep it, he's going to put it in the man cave. That, that's, that's Torkelson's gift. I mean, like, just amazing. And then Cabrera walks out of the clubhouse, and what does he say to his teammates? See you in spring training.
0: So let's talk a little bit about a couple of things that, you know, obviously only you can shed light on. So it, uh, I've seen a picture. There's actually a beautiful picture that Jeff Rieger took (laughs) of the scrum around Miguel in the locker room. And who is looking right in the middle of it, right next to Miguel (laughs) and looking pretty, pretty nice and handsome right in the picture for posterity. Stop it. Evan Patzell. Okay. And, you know, it's But the scrum was pretty great. So tell me about the scrum. And then, you know, I know that you've got to spend time with him this weekend a few times one-on-one a little bit. You got to exchange some pleasantries and some congratulations. And uh, you, you did have a, a little bit of, you know, you talked w- with each other a little bit. And it probably was a really great way to be able to send off a legend.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was just thank you. I mean, that that's really what it was. Was I, I the whole weekend was thank you, Miguel Cabrera, and for me personally, like it, it's thank you, Miguel Cabrera. Like again, you have to remember, like I grew up when he was winning triple crowns. I, I grew up when you know he was winning MVPs, when he was a, a batting champ. I mean, you know, we talk about the numbers, right? We go back and look at it, and like the numbers were incredible from 2011 to 2014. I wrote about it in the story. I love the story that I wrote. I thought it turned out really well. I, I normally don't say that about pieces that I write because I'm my own harshest critic but I do really think that what I was able to write turned out great with you know Ozzy Gian, Ardonez, Victor Martinez, Bobby Abreu, Dave Concepcion, all talking about Miguel Cabrera. Also did a side story with just Dave Concepcion who, you know, that was Miguel Cabrera's idol growing up. And I'm writing these stories and I'm 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 just kind of thinking more about it as it goes on and I've always known this and I've always acknowledged this but at the same time like as his career winds down, you really do get a feel for like yeah, this was the guy that I was watching when I was in, you know, I was in sixth, seventh, eighth, you know, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth grade. Like, the, the, this was kind of my guy. Like, this was the, this was the reason I turned down the Tigers was because one they were really good, and two they had Miguel Cabrera, like doing un unbelievable things, things that you couldn't even imagine. And so, yeah, like I, I just said thank you to him and got to shake his hand, and then I was hanging out in the clubhouse just waiting for Javier Baez and you know, Miguel comes up to me and he thanks me again. And I, I told him, I said, thank you for your whole career. Like, I, I'm not doing this if you're not doing what you did. Um, you, know, you inspired me. and Thank you. And, and so it was something along the lines of that. And that was a lot. That meant a lot to me. Like that was really important to me to be able to say thank you in that way because he really did make a a pretty big impact on me and you know my love for the game and the reason why I'm doing this now. Like I I, I always went to games and I would look up the press book. I would look up at the press box. Like I would go to games to see Verlander, you know, and Miguel Cabrera, and those are the guys that I wanted to go see all the time. And I loved all the guys in that roster. Like some of the favorite players that I've, of my time growing up. It was like Maglio Redonias or like Don Kelly. Like I I liked the 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 non superstar superstar guys um but yeah you want to go see miguel and i would always look back up at the press box and i would say man like it'd be really cool to sit up there one day and and so yeah like it is special
0: it, it, it and just uh, hopefully i'm not telling this story out of school but he had a little kind of a nickname for you you might you going to share that or not i mean it's just skinny in spanish so it's flaco yeah, um yeah he used to call you flaca cuz yeah, you I were you you're a tall, thin drink of water. So, yeah. but I there, think there have any, been, there have
1: been a, yeah, I mean, there have been a lot of jokes along the way. Some of which I like have said on podcasts before, I can't tell right now, but, right. um, I don't know, maybe, maybe uh, one day long, long, I, long down the road.
0: Uh, but you know, look, anytime, uh, Miguel Cabrera is got a nickname for you. It's not like that's a bad thing. Yeah. I'm excited
1: to see him in spring training. Like I'm exi- I'm excited to see this guy in spring training when he shows up. It sounds like from the way the people are talking about him in the clubhouse on his last day, he seemed to tell the team that maybe he might be the first person in spring training. Um so so we'll see about that. But I'm excited. I, I'm happy he's staying with the organization as a special assistant. I think that it's gonna be whatever he wants to make it and I think he's gonna be really good at it if he wants to be really good at it. And I hope that he takes it, enjoys it, becomes the Alan Trammell-type version of hitting. I think him and Alan Trammell would be a hell of a duo in spring training. I think that'd be pretty badass. And Alan Trammell in spring training is the best because he loves talking baseball. He lets you pick his brain. He's He he is, like, hands down the best. And um, hopefully Miguel Cabrera does the same. I would be honored to learn more from him.
0: Yeah, and Lou, Lou likes to come to spring training sometimes, too, right? Oh, yeah. Lou, Lou, Lou does some good stuff in spring training. All right, so I'm sure we'll tell more funny Miguel stories Uh, either tonight or as the offseason goes on, because you and I both love Miguel Cabrera and there's lots of Miguel stories. So question two of the big two. You wanted to wait to do the pod till today or tomorrow. We decided to do it tonight. And there was what we call like a big exit meeting or a summation of the season and a little bit about expectations for next year. They have a presser. It's mostly Scott Harris, but there is some AJ Hinch involved. So why don't you give us the rundown?
1: Yeah. Quick rundown is that it was a very long press conference and hat tip to Scott Harris and AJ Hinch. And again, Tigers PR, like we can be critical when it's time to be critical, but at the same time, I always want to pay it back when I feel like they've done a really good job. And to sit there and take questions for fifty-five minutes, and then also, you know, take some time to, you know, just kind of have conversations off the record and stuff like that, off to the side about, I don't know, basic stuff, right, like offseason stuff, and, um, you know, what their plans are, like personally and stuff like that, and just how they're doing, and like all those kind of things. Like, it's just good relationship building um, to kind of do some of those things off the side. But like, regardless, they they sat there and they answered questions on the record for almost an hour. So credit to them for that because that could have been a quick like twenty-minute thing. Let's get out of here. Wrap it up. It's done. I'll tell you I guys at the ballpark today for you know more than two hours. So I think that tells you a lot about that tells you a lot about like how that went, right? It was a really good conversation. There were a lot of good talking points, and I really appreciate all the time. I think all of us do that that were there. Um, the big conversation pieces, and just to run down a couple of things, there are three contract decisions. We can get into more of that after we take a break. But Javier Baez, Eduardo Rodriguez, and Carson Kelly, there are all contract decisions to be made. The Tigers are not in control of all of those decisions. They are in control of one of those choices um, in terms of how they want to move forward with one of those three players. Um, there's also kind of a little talk about contract extensions. You know, when can we maybe see an extension for Torkelson, for Green, for Kerry Carpenter? What about Tarek Skubal? sounds like the Tigers are not ready to lock those players up to long-term contracts with pre-arbitration extensions. Harris has always been open-minded to it, but doesn't sound like that's going to be Um, you know, happening at this time or or even into the off season, I would say for that, just reading the room and kind of getting a feel for where they're at. I would say, keep an eye out for contract extensions after the 2024 season. Um, I think they probably just need to get a little bit more info on some of these guys, especially, you know, for Torkelson and for green and and for Carpenter. So um, I really wouldn't look too deeply into ideas of contract extensions. Like, I guess if the conversation pops up and like it is right for them and they're able to feel like they're getting an insane deal on a player, like maybe, but, Um, Harris's quote, I thought was pretty telling. I'm going to read it to you now. It was quote, I just hope that we can get to a place where we can find players that we really want to extend and get it done and then announce it to you guys and talk about how excited we are. End quote. That quote kind of tells me that they're still trying to find players to extend. Um, so probably no extensions coming other conversation pieces, Austin Meadows, they're going to have to get on the phone with him soon and just talk to him about his situation. It doesn't sound like, um, he's going to be tendered a contract just based on the way that that conversation kind of went
0: today. Um, can, Scott can, Harris hasn't. Can, can, we, can we discuss that for a second? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just without getting too much into the minutia for people, I just want to bring up a couple of procedural aspects of this discussion, okay? First of all, it's it's got a lot of layers. It's not as simple uh, as you're either here or you're not here. It's just not that simple. They could put them on, you know, you, depending on, The feedback that Austin gives, and don't discount the idea that Austin Metals, not only A, wants to play, but B, wants to play with his brother, okay, Um, is, is factoring into some of the underlying aspect of the decision. But two, in baseball, there's something called the restricted list, okay, and you can go on the restricted list when there's extenuating circumstances like this, and you don't get paid, but... The team still maintains control of your rights, and until Austin, you know, look, Austin Meadows. Nobody is giving Austin Meadows a major league <laughs> contract after two years of sitting out for mental health issues. Yeah, I'm I'm just explaining to you the nature of the industry. Would you agree with that or not? Anybody yeah, that signs just, that's more likely than not no, is going to. just, That's the facts. OK, it's going to be a minor league deal. He's not going to be on the 40. And that's for whoever that was with. OK, it could be a make good. It could be, you know, it could be a two way deal. There's a lot of things. But that being said, let, let's be clear. Austin Meadows has made like eight million dollars the last two years for basically playing two and a half months of the baseball season. Uh, um, Mark, Mark. Yeah. Forty two games. 42 games, 8 million dollars. I think he made 4 million dollars both years, right? 8.3 million dollars. There you go. So it's not it's not like Austin it, there's no money leveraging issue here. So it becomes totally 100% about you know mental health, comfort ability to perform his job and you know how he feels, which is First and foremost, the only thing that's important, and I think if you give, you know, Austin Meadows an opportunity to play again, it'd be hard to say that he would not want to try to play again for the Detroit Tigers for multiple reasons. Okay, so if the I still think the restricted list is a possibility, or he could agree to come off the 40 and sign a minor league deal. He could do that. Right. Right. So yeah, I think,
1: I think there are possible avenues to keeping him on the roster. The thing that people need to understand too, is that he is entering his final year of arbitration eligibility. So the Tigers only have team control of him through the 2024 season. So they have control of him through next season. And then that's it. Now arbitration process, just so people understand he made 4 million um, in his first season with the Tigers and he made $4.3 million in his next season. Remember, he didn't do much in his first season. He also hasn't done anything in his second season, but that number is probably going to go up a little bit again. It's probably going to go up to maybe 4.4 or something along those lines. We don't really ever see salary arbitration numbers go down. Now, again, this is kind of a different circumstance, so maybe it does. But I do like the idea of the restricted list. I don't know all the details about you know, what it takes to be placed on the restricted list, what that looks like. Does the, does the player have to... They, I mean, can the team just do that? Does the player have to sign off in a situation like this where it is, you know, mental health related? Like, I have no idea what the details uh, of the restricted list entail. But I do think it's a perfect idea to keeping him on the roster, keeping him around, bring him back for $4 million, whatever it ends up being through the salary arbitration process, put him on the restricted list. And then if there's an opportunity that he's able to come play, and he's able to show that he's able to do it, like... Okay, then then you you put him through a rehab assignment, and if he's ready, you bring him back. I think it's a great idea. Moving on to the next topic, Spencer Turnbull. He was also talked about. I wrote it in my story today. I'm going to say it here. The Spencer Turnbull saga was exhausting, and it really was. It was exhausting to even just be around. Um, so the Tigers are hoping now that Turnbull's going to report to spring training, and it sounds like they're going to, you know, tender a contract. Same thing with the salary arbitration process. It sounds like they're going to. Um, bring him back and they're going to expect him to report to Lakeland and prepare as a starting pitcher and compete for a job. So hopefully he shows up again. That's probably a bigger question mark than anything. I think that was some of the messaging that we saw today. It was, I mean, again, to read Scott Harris's quote, quote, we got to find a way to get the best version out of Spencer. It starts with reflecting on the season, planning for the off season, and making sure he shows up in Lakeland ready to compete for a job End quote. So that seems to be the message there is like, hey, you better show up and, and be a part of it. I do want to touch on one more thing before we get off of this is infrastructure developments. Scott Harris talked about several projects. Uh, they purchased new land for a new complex in the Dominican Republic. Uh, that's for like young international players that are signed, um, you know, through the international signing period. I think that that's much needed. Um, Scott Harris, thinks think that's going to allow them to really, you know, boost and beef up. Um, you know, their international presence, um, we'll see about that. I still think you got to have the right guys in place to go get those dudes. So we'll see if they're able to, to target those players at a very, very young age, um, and then get them into the Academy there at 16 years old. And I'm sure the new complex will help them out. They're also working on a new dorm building in Lakeland. Um, that will also, that will include several developmental features. I'm not sure exactly what those developmental features are, but there will be developmental features, whatever that means. Tigers are also working on a baseball expansion projects in Lakeland. There's going to be a covered field, new batting cages and new mounds. And they're also beginning the second phase of their clubhouse and performance center renovations at Comerica Park um, before the season. If you guys don't remember, they built the new kitchen, they cleaned up the weight room and they also you know, redesigned the clubhouse where the players hang out. They're also about to debut a new team plane. So that will be um, in full force in 2024 and then Harris also said that the Tigers are making, quote, very significant investments, end quote, and technological improvements. And he said those upgrades are very expensive, but Tigers got to do them. So that's kind of a little update on kind of the key talking points. Um, there was a lot else that was talked about, and we can get into more of that. A lot of it revolves around, you know, these three guys Eduardo Rodriguez, Javier Baez, Carson Kelly. Also, some really good comments from both Scott Harris and A.J. Hinch. Harris talking about building a team and spending and um, didn't really talk about budget specifically, but kind of did talk about, you know, budgetary strategies. And then also A.J. Hinch commenting on his commitment to uh, stick around with the Tigers and see this thing through.
0: All right. We're going to get into all of that. I'm going to give you my response on a few of those topics. Then we'll get into some of the Hinch-Harris stuff, team building, the three guys. But first... We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Let's get into uh, a couple of the easy topics here. And uh, we'll get into two minutes of Mean Mark. Look, Spencer Turnbull, I've said my piece about Spencer a long, long time ago, said it many times. And bottom line is, He's going to be 31 years old when the season starts (laughs) next year. He was drafted in 2014. Uh, He's pitched three good months for the Tigers. He's been injured about, I think I counted, uh, 27 times. Um, He's uh, an enigma. This year was a debacle. He pitched 31 innings. He had a 726 ERA. I think... You know, the time has come for, I, I I don't think Spencer Turnbull throws another inning for the Detroit Tigers, and I do think there will be some trades made this off season. The Tigers have numerous parts they can weave together to make some deals, uh, and I am pretty confident Spencer Turnbull will be used to barter as throwing in one of those trades. I, I disagree
1: on something you said, but...
0: I'm listening. All right. I think
1: think he'll throw another inning for the Tigers. I don't think he has any trade value right now, but I do think that this situation presents itself where the Tigers in spring training could go, okay, we're going to have them build up as a starter. They want all their guys to build up as a starter, but they're going to have to pick. I mean, they've got a lot of pitching depth up and down their organization. And I'm not saying that they have a bunch of aces that they're ready to unload one, two, three, four, and five in that rotation, but there are a lot of guys to pick from. From your Alex Fayetos, who's probably going to end up in the bullpen, bullpen. to, you know, you're, you're, right, right. But they want them to build up as a starter. They're going to have them prepare and come into spring training as starters and then define their roles. That's how it's going to be top to bottom, whether that's Tarek Skubal coming in as a starter, Alex Fajado coming in as a starter. And then they're going to be able to either, you know, drop those innings down, or maybe they want Alex Fajado to start again in Toledo and, and, and they like what they see. I doubt that. But again, it leaves them that option. Turnbull,
0: we're going to get, get into the roster not tonight. For sure, but,
1: for sure, but, but Turnbull, same. So this is where I'm going with this, though. Is Turnbull, same thing. Build him up as a starter. At the end of spring training, you can say, or midway through spring training, whenever, you can say, hey, look, here's the deal. Bullpen or Toledo, take your pick.
0: Yeah, we're wasting way too much time on Spencer Turnbull because it's a real simple decision to me, okay? Here's the deal. In business, I don't care if it's in baseball, I don't care what kind of business you're in when it's you're you have a team of people, you either with us or you against us. Okay. And I'm telling you, the Detroit Tigers uh, do not consider Spencer Turnbull being with them. All right. So he has thrown his last pitch as a Tiger. I said this in May and he's done. Everything humanly possible to make that dream come true. We'll see. So we'll see. let's 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 move on from that. All right. Let's talk about the three pretty big decisions on actual players that could be a part of twenty twenty three. Um let's take the easy one first, Carson Kelly. I don't know if Carson Kelly is an easy decision. Do you? I think it's very simple back. because it's 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 cut well, it's cut it's a cut and dried thing. Okay. Either they want to pay him 3.5 million or they say to him, Hey, look, we want you to come back. We'll sign you to a deal. We just don't want to pay you 3.5 million. We want to pay you 2.5 million. Okay. Right. And then but Carson I mean, Kelly. I mean,
1: I, and, I think, and I think when we're debating between 2.5 million, 3.5 million, they're just going to bring him back. I think it makes too much sense not to. That's my take on it. I don't think they have catching depth in that sense yet. I think Dingler is, Dylan Dingler, it, it can be a guy as a backup behind Jake Rogers, who could provide you some pop, who's going to be able to, you know, handle a pitching staff, but he still needs a little bit more seasoning in Toledo, I believe. And I think it allows for a perfect transition at some point during the season if Carson Kelly just isn't producing and they need to step away from him and, and bring Dingler into the mix. But you have to have a number two going into camp, I feel like. And so I look, think he look, provides look, the perfect perfect look, look, option for that.
0: Look, look let, let me ask you a question. Was Carson Kelly a major league catcher? Did he did he do a, a pretty good job regardless of what the numbers were telling you for the five weeks you watched him here? Yes. Absolutely yes. Okay, Major league all the way, did nothing but get better. Very competent, if not better than that, defensively. Probably will hit better next year because was mostly trying to figure out the pitching staff this year. Like the sequencing, like this throwing, like this blocking. Just he was a pro. Liked everything about him. Two. He's a good number He's two. Solid. we you know, probably expensive at 3.5 million, but when you have a payroll of 45 million dollars, why are we quibbling about <laughs> it? He, you know, and as far as catching goes, I think a days of roar philosophy is that you should always remember this and never get discouraged by it. Catchers. Take a long time. Good catchers. It's rare when you're really young and really good. So guys are 25, 26, 27, 28. So when you're looking at even a guy like Dingler, who's super athletic and is had a pretty solid year, I mean, not perfect, but solid, he's going to take another year, okay? So let's not you know, they don't have anything to replace it. It's not that easy to find backup catchers. I would say Carson Kelly is almost a lock to be coming back. Okay. For sure. For sure. All right. Javi Baez, we can spend, if we spend longer than 14 seconds on this discussion, of whether he's coming (laughs) back or not, I'm going to be insulted. Okay, Uh, Mark,
1: he's coming back. He's coming back. I can't like write that yet, but he's coming back.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. Four, four
1: years, 98 mil player option. He's opting in. Um, Tigers are stuck with him. I'm going to tell you the game plan real quick. They need him to work on some things in the offseason. They need him to change the bat path and and some of what he's doing at the plate, of course. But also the big thing is like he just needs to be an elite defender at shortstop. Like that's the number one thing. Like he can just be an elite defender. (laughs) It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. They're stuck paying him
0: anyway. That was about as elite of a defensive year at shortstop. I can't remember the last time I saw. A shortstop play that well for the Tigers. He was well.
1: <laughs> well, Mark, real quick, let me let me so give you my take on that. Is like, yes, a ton of elite plays, amazing, spectacular plays that nobody else can make. But there were also some routine plays that he didn't make very well, and it's that's, that's of, again. That's the that's the trade off, right? Like he makes you know, so many amazing plays. Part of like the,
0: the Javi Baez experience, brother.
1: Right, right. It's, and my point is let's let's try to let's try to do both. Let's try to make all the, the routine plays and also make the spectacular plays. And if you do that, if you do that, no one's gonna no one no everyone's gonna be pissed about the bat. No one's gonna be happy about that. But the point is, is at least you can be like super, super, super serviceable as a shortstop, as the guy there. Your 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 defense, that part of your game, A plus across
0: the board, no question about it. He needs difference to bring maker. That. He difference needs to bring maker that. Def- it, you know, and we've talked about Javi a lot. We'll talk about him more. And by the way, so, you know, look, he he needs to be able just to get back to hitting 240 with 20 jacks. I don't think He's anybody get on the fastball.
1: He must get on the
0: fastball. So let's share this. You talked to him for a few minutes before everybody got out of there. You had a nice talk with him. Tell me some of the feedback you got from him.
1: Yeah, quick inside clubhouse story is he told me before the game that he would talk to me and he said, I promise I'll talk to you after. I said, well, it's Mickey's day. He goes, no, I'll, I'll talk to you. I'll be here. So I went up to him after. I said, man, you keep your word. He said, always. And, and so I appreciate that about Hobby all year. It gets very overlooked. He is um, somebody who is very critical of himself and his performance and isn't afraid to own it all the time. So, yeah, I mean, he's pissed. He's disappointed. He's frustrated. He, no, nothing's working for him. He talks about he, the fact that he can't see the ball. He doesn't mean like actually see the ball, but like he just can't see spin. He can't pick it up. He can't pick up fastball or slider or, you know, is this pitch going to be inside the strike zone or outside the strike zone? Like he, he just isn't picking those things up. Um, that's problem. Number one, that's like very, very, very concerning. Um, the other thing too, is like, he's just got to get on the fastball again. And he talked about that a little bit. Like he's just not getting to the fastball, beating it to the spy. Go look at his numbers. Um, I don't have mommy right now, but they will be in a story at some point where
0: sub he's just, 200.
1: It's bad. It's bad. It's really bad. And so, um, yeah. I mean, he wants to put in the work. He wants to start seeing live pitching earlier. The Tigers are going to have to to make some significant changes with him. They're going to have an exit meeting with him. I don't want to share. I don't know exactly why. I don't know. I don't know what those exact changes they wanted to make are. But they wanted to make some some pretty significant changes to what he's doing. And he's going to have to really work at it in the off season. The question is going to be, what does he show up to? You know, in spring training, like, like what kind of a guy is he going to be? And can he carry that throughout a year? Can he stay consistent when he does make some of these adjustments? He didn't make any adjustments during the regular season. Go look at the numbers; they're all the same, top to bottom. It, it was it was piss poor all year offensively. So, no changes in the in the regular season. I get it; it's hard to make those changes. You know, when you're playing day in day out, but he's got to work on changes this offseason. He must make changes if he wants to be productive offensively. And if he's not going to be productive offensively, he better be a plus across the board at shortstop. No question about it absolute lockdown
0: yeah I don't think they're gonna tolerate another offensive season like this so um, I will go on record as saying I will be flabbergasted if he does not allow himself to go into a hitting lab whether it's just with the Tigers coaches in someplace like Florida or in Lakeland or if they go to Seattle to go to driveline, go in the lab. For as much as they're
1: paying them, they should just fly those guys out to Puerto Rico.
0: Well, I, I don't think the equipment, you know, for I for know. the for the 10 days, the, you know, for the seven to 10 days, they need to be in a controlled environment for lots of reasons. Uh, I think Javi needs to acknowledge there's issues and try to seek, Seek the technology that will allow him to understand why there's issues and how they can repair them. And that's a place to start. Once they give him a base, he can start working on things in Puerto Rico and see if he can rebuild himself to 75% of what he used to be at the plate. There should be no excuse for another season like this. And I want to remind everybody the last Tiger hitter to really struggle to hit the fastball. Um, couldn't get it, couldn't beat it to the spot, uh, hit 31 home runs this year. So when we left a year ago, Spencer Torkelson, basically we didn't really know what to do with him, but we were praying he would make some tweaks and some changes and be mature about it and work on his craft. And lo and behold, you got all of those things. And so I would expect... That Javi Baez is a pretty prideful guy. He's getting the money either way. He can see the team is on the upswing and he can be an important part of it. So I will be shocked if he isn't willing to do the work necessary to become productive. So that's that's my two cents on Javi Baez. So, all right, let's get to the uh, elephant in the room. Um, there were a lot of messages sent today. Everybody's got an opinion, all our buddies have opinions. We have opinions, so uh, talk to me about the only pitcher that threw 150 innings that uh, was a a three-and-a-half-war pitcher that pitched with a hurt finger, and uh, they basically have to make a decision about do they want to keep him or do they not want to keep him for his $49 million he's owed. Where do you think this Erod saga is going to go?
1: All right, so this is just me reading the room of all parties involved. This is my prediction on how this is going to happen. I don't like to do predictions normally, but in this case,
0: I feel pretty strongly about this prediction. And this is prediction that is based on today. This is a, there's no doubt this can change in a heartbeat too. Let's just say that either way. Go ahead.
1: Oh gosh, Mark, this is not just a prediction based on today. This is a prediction based on the last two years. But okay, um, yeah, I, I have no sense that the that, that that Eduardo Rodriguez is going to opt into his contract. I have, um, I believe that uh, Eduardo Rodriguez is going to opt out of his contract. I also believe that the Tigers will not negotiate a new deal with him. He will become a free agent and he will look to get paid in free agency and the Tigers will not bring him back. Scott Harris did say today that the Tigers have not had and will not have any contract discussions with Rodriguez or his agent, Gene Motto until Rodriguez makes a formal decision. That formal decision is not due until after the world series. After that happens, there is a short window of negotiating where a team like the Tigers, because you know, they had Eduardo Rodriguez on their team can negotiate. And that's the only team that Erod can negotiate with. So there would be that small window um where it's like less than a week, where the Tigers could then negotiate with Erod a new contract if they wanted to. I do not get the sense that they will do that. I get the sense that Erod will opt out. The Tigers will not try to bring him back and he will then go and become a free agent. And that is just the sense that I have as we are right now today, based on things that I heard today, based on things that I've heard for the last two years.
0: All right. So I'm in the minority among you know people that are read, okay? And I don't write anything, but I do have an opinion. I'm in the minority where I want Detroit to keep Erod, okay? Um, everybody else is not necessarily predisposed to keeping him, okay? Uh you know, so what I am gonna say is I find it hard to believe um, that they're not willing to have a discussion about the parameters to stay and I would hope that Eduardo communicates within reason to his agent who, look, so far as far as dealing with Eduardo Rodriguez using the trade deadline as a precursor and input into some of this discussion, okay? Um, I have not been impressed at how Eduardo's agent has handled all this, a. Eh? But at the same time, I have not necessarily been impressed with how Scott Harris has handled it either. So either you value Eduardo as a as a pitcher, as a mentor to the staff, and what value he brings, or you don't, because if you do, then at least you want to find out what the cost of doing business is. Now, if you don't and you're mad and you're mad that he had issues last year and you're mad that his finger hurt this year and he didn't allow you to acquire uh, prospects from the Dodgers and, you know, et cetera, and it's going to become a finger-pointing contest, then I guess we don't really need to discuss Eduardo Rodriguez too too much, but to allow an asset that can throw 150 innings, and he would be the only pitcher on their staff that could throw 150 innings of three-and-a-half or better baseball, who's pitched in playoff games, who's left-handed, who is consistent. If you are just going to wave at him walking out the door, And when I say wave, it's more like giving him the finger when he's walking out the door. Then I I just don't understand why you are letting quality. You're not going to love every human being on your baseball team. So what are you doing to replace? I
1: don't think it's that. I don't think it's that, but let me throw a hypothetical out there at you. Let's just say, hypothetically speaking, that the Tigers do end up negotiating a, a contract with Eduardo Rodriguez. And they have that short window after the World Series. His decision to opt out becomes formal. He gets the time to just talk only to the Tigers. And maybe the Tigers say, sure, we'll, we'll bite. Like, let, let's talk. What are you thinking? And Eduardo Rodriguez demands a no-trade clause in his new rework deal. And the Tigers do not. There's your sticking point. Case closed. That that's really what it's gonna come down to at the end of the day, even if they do negotiate, right? Because you really think Scott Harris is gonna to wanna to go around and, and do this again at no. any point, you know, during the duration no, of the contract. No, but, he, he, and, but here's what I'm, Rodriguez, I believe, will demand the no-trade clause.
0: Well, here's, I here's that what would I be have a sticking point. But here's what I have to say. I I think that if Eduardo's agent is tone deaf. And isn't paying attention to what, the, how the league is going to value him. All right, I think it's pretty easy to understand how the league is going to value Eduardo Rodriguez. All right, he's not a cup of tea for everybody. He's got a ceiling on how much people are going to pay him. I don't think they're paying him over four years. I think four and sixty, l-
1: four and sixty-five.
0: Oh, I think it's four and four for eighty. That's what I think he, his his market value okay. is to me. Okay, I think when it comes to a no trade, there's a way to compromise with this, which is I totally grasp the reasoning behind his no his his demand for a no trade, and I also am sensitive to the idea of the Tigers fear the no trade. So the compromise becomes. All right, Uh, the first year of the contract, if I'm going to re-up with you, I want a no-trade for year one. And I think the Tigers could probably live with year one having a no-trade, okay? I don't think they'd argue too hard on that. It's what happens in year two, three, and four. So maybe in year two, there's no no no-trade. Or maybe there's only five teams. But that's what I would push for. I had a talk with somebody today, and I kind of suggested this. I don't think other teams are going to bend that much, both in the salary, the length, the no trade aspect, much more than I'm discussing. Now, we're just speculating. Maybe we don't know what the hell we're talking about. But I think that you and I are usually pretty reasonable about this stuff, and we're pretty informed. He has value, but he only has value to certain people. And I don't think that Eduardo Rodriguez wants to go pitch uh, for the Kansas City Royals next year either. So I think he likes it here. He's been honest about that. I think that's genuine. I think he likes the players. He likes the mentoring. He sees where they're going and there's probably a trade-off on the money. and The The
1: only way I see this thing working out is if if they, you know, obviously I don't think they're going to agree on the idea of this no trade clause. And you're right. Like there are a lot of things that Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be asking for. It's going to be years, it's going to be money, and it's going to be, you know, a, a limited no trade clause of some type. So, do they agree on that from the onset again? And I'm just, I'm just kind of speculating at how some of this could play out. I don't know if it's going to play out this way, but I don't think they agree on that. And, and I think that would force him then to walk into free agency. And you know what? Maybe by the end of free agency, spring training's getting closed. Walter Rodriguez does not, is not getting what he wants from teams. And he walks back to the tigers and he, you know, he says, take me back, take me back. I'm sorry. You know, I, I, I was wrong about my value. I was wrong about people looked at me like again. Maybe that could work out in that way, where mm. he comes back and it's 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 end of January and he needs a deal and goes back to the Tigers and says, "Yep, screw the no trade. Like let's just let's let's just link up, make a deal. I like my time here. I can see maybe that happening. But in terms of actually coming to a deal before you know free agency officially opens and and it actually gets going and all these different teams can start talking to Eduardo Rodriguez and, and vice versa. I don't think the Tigers are coming to a deal with him by that point. That's my take on it. That's my opinion. I just don't see it happening. And it has nothing to do with the Tigers not letting, liking Eduardo or Eduardo not liking the Tigers. Because I think genuinely, I think A.J. Hinch really likes Eduardo Rodriguez. And I think Eduardo Rodriguez really likes the Tigers and A.J. Hinch. And I think Scott Harris likes both of them too. But I just, I, I don't think that they're in a spot where either of those parties are going to make a decision that the other one is going to like. And that's just where I'm at. Uh...
0: I think it remains to be seen. I think I've said my piece about this and I'll be fascinated to see how Scott Harris navigates this. Hopefully he does it in a mature way that he leaves himself some wiggle room to improve his team. He did an absolutely horrendous job at the trade deadline. We've gone over that enough times. So I hope he's learned something, and he keeps in mind, t- uh, you know, ways to do this that gives himself options. All right, we're going to take our last break. We'll be back in a minute. All right, so 78 and 84 won a game more than 2021 thirty seven and 44 at home 41 and 40 on the road really good things really good September October killed the central died a guillotine death <laughs> against the al East I mean give me give me your feelings about the year I mean we've kind of gone over this so many so many times um you know to me the single most important thing we learned about here, why don't we do this instead? You tell me the four or five things you learned about this team in in 2023, what you liked, what you hated.
1: Yeah, I'll try to be quick about it, but just to quote Chris Illich, I'm pleased with the progress. I I think that we have seen um a a pretty decent jump and i think that that's an important to note i mean this team plays hard this team plays to the end they battle um they're bought in there's team chemistry that's real there's a culture that's been built um you can definitely see it day in and day out you know when i'm in the clubhouse and i'm getting a chance to see these guys interact with each other that's there um and then also too like i think aj hinch has done a really good job of setting that tone and I think there's a lot of bright things to, to look at. I mean, there's a lot of development, a lot of improvement. There were also guys that maybe didn't pan out the way the Tigers were expecting. You know, Nick Mayton being one of those players. Um, but I also thought that there were developmental pieces along the way. You see Torkelson hitting, you know, 31 home runs. Jake Rogers breaks out and, and hits 20-plus homers as well. Kerry Carpenter has, was really good for most of the season until he sputtered towards the end. Riley Green, always good if he can just stay healthy. So, like, there are some pieces to be encouraged about on the pitching side, of course, too. You can look at, You know, Tarek Skubal coming back and just absolutely dominating with um, some tweaks that they were able to make. And I I thought that that was really impressive. Tyler Holton was a a great story for the Tigers. Andy Abanez, like, don't sleep on Andy Abanez. So there were some positives along the way. Um, I was kind of joking when I said, quoting Chris Illich, please the progress. He said that uh, back in June 2022, or maybe it was July 2022 at that point. But regardless, like, yeah, there was progress this year, like real progress. Um, and that's positive for sure, but there is still a long way to go. But this team is going to play hard. This team is going to battle. They are never going to give up on games, even when they were out of the playoff mix. Like they played very well towards the end of the season. They played very, very well, and they played clean. They didn't give up. I I, I really appreciated that as a baseball fan and someone who just really enjoys the game to see a team that
0: didn't quit. Top of story for 2023. Team played all 162 played every game hard, competed. Uh, it's the first part of learning how to win. You need to learn how to do that. It's called being professional. And, and, you know, that's that's the first part of being a team. The second part is getting talent. Third part is is getting productivity out of the talent. And I think they did a lot of those things this year. I think Detroit showed Major League Baseball that they know how to take pitchers and optimize them. If you would have... I, I've said this many, many times, and we'll keep it short, but if you would have told me that what Reese Olsen was... I told Raj Castillo this today because he saw him more than anybody um, before he came up. If you would have told me Reese Olsen in May was going to be what Reese Olson was in September, uh, I would have probably had you checked into a rehab facility. I mean, it, it, there is, I mean, seriously, the guy the guy could not locate two fastballs for strikes in a row. Come on. And, it, it, you know, he was getting creamed in Toledo. Um, and how he, and the beauty of what he did this year was, not only was, so he starts out great, starts getting taken advantage of by making mistakes in the strike zone, and not really a great fastball pitcher when he first was recalled. And what what did he look like in September? It was like, oh, it was like just a appointment view watching. It looked like, how many games did he throw six innings of zero or one hit in September? I mean, look if the Tigers are in the postseason right now. Like, who are you prioritizing putting on the mound? It's Scoobal and Olson, dude. What do you? It's Erod's throwing game three. That's yep. reasonable. Yeah. So I know. It, it's. I mean, just that itself. I mean, I was laughing with Raj today, and I said, if somebody would have told a year ago, if somebody would have told you that Reese Olson and Sawyer Gibson Long were going to be whites out in the major leagues in September you you would have looked at that person like what are you are you crazy are, have you lost your mind okay and it that is where you have to tip your hat to Guys like Pimentel, the Erie pitching coach, Gabe Rebus, Fatter, Nieves, Long—it's La- the Tigers have proven that they understand how to develop pitching, and. You know, it'll probably help him in the off season. They'll do another kind of deal that's similar to Lorenzo. And that's but- another reason why
1: I don't think that Water Rodriguez is even mm-hmm. going to come back. They don't need him. They don't need him. I mean, they've they've got they've got guys they can optimize. Scott Harris clearly has an eye for the free, on, especially in the. Free I got agent a guy fair. they
0: can. I got a guy who's a free agent they can optimize. He's going to cost a lot of money, isn't he? Aaron Nola. Okay,
1: <laughs> there you I go. You get my but you get my point though. Is like that's yeah. kind of another reason of like, look, these guys can optimize pitchers, and there's and, a lot of pitchers in this organization. A lot gets, of pitchers.
0: Yeah, listen to me. You got a forty-five million dollar payroll, stop being the smartest guy in the room. Get got get you you gotta lay down a baseline. Then you can add on top of it. All right. So well, I think, you know, I think we can talk this about that. This is an that. argument. We're, we're, Listen, we have weeks and weeks and weeks to argue about this. I had the 40-man roster up. I wanted to walk through a bunch of uh, keeper keep cut guys tonight. We're not going to do that. We got next week. We got nothing but time. We got nothing but time. We got to figure out an Evan Petzl Halloween costume. We got <laughs> lots of stuff to do in coming weeks. All right? No, because no I And... I know, I know. And I wanted to talk and I wanted to get into other things too,
1: right? Like I wanted to get into what Scott Harris said today about building a team and, you know, complementing a core versus building a core and, and kind of what that looks like. I think A.J. Hinch's comments about his commitment are important too. And then, of course, go through the roster. But did, did we're, I drop, out time, we're out of time this week, so that's a teaser. Well, we, I we,
0: we talked a bunch of times this week. Did I give you my drop of who I wanted them to sign to, you know, my one or two-year free agent? Did I tell you that the other night or I, I didn't? I'm not I'll certain. tell you when I'll tell you when we're done. We'll talk about it next week because we got plenty of time to talk about it. I, I personally thought it was pure genius if he would come here, but uh, I might disagree. Yeah, it's it's where the roster is right now. They still need a lot of things to go right, but I, I said this to someone else today. You know, they're at the point in time if a few things go right and then Colt Keith is actually as good a hitter as we think he is, and then they added a couple of other short-term but not inexpensive pieces, they could win 85 or more games next year. That's my opinion. We, We
1: did this a few weeks ago. Catcher, Jake Rogers, first base, Spencer Torkelson, Jace Young in there somewhere at second base or third base. Javier Baez, you're stuck with him at shortstop. Colt Keith, third base, second base, somewhere in there. Riley Green, corner Laf- left field, Parker Laf- Meadow, field. center field, Carrie Carpenter, Justin Henry Malloy, right field slash DH, bench, Carson Kelly, Matt Vierling, Wenzel Perez, somebody else in that mix too. That's not bad. And if those, yeah, if those well, guys click, that they there's there's your core. So well, here's what into that I here, next here, 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 week, here's, I here's what boring.
0: Yeah, here, here's what I'll tell you about that after further. Thought. It's real simple. Right now, bench right now is Andy Ibanez, Zach McKinstry, and it's one of the better benches in baseball if those two guys are on your bench. Okay? With guys ready
1: in Toledo, like a Wenzel Perez, ready to go in Toledo. I mean, that's that's not bad.
0: Ryan Kreidler, pretty good bench piece. Okay. Yep. Good glove. Wenzel's a good, yeah, I mean, so that, that, that part we're not worried about. What we do need <laughs> is we need a bat. We need a right handed bat, especially if Jace Young is going to play third base, let's say after July 1st next year. You got a lot of left hand hitters. If you had a right handed bat that could hit 25 dongs, um, that seems like it's a really, really solid idea of how they can flesh out a lineup. And, you know, we'll talk next week a little bit about who those options might be. And I also think you're going to get 20 homers from Javi Baez. So if you added 25 homers from a bat they picked up and 20 homers from Javi Baez to a maturing lineup and a second baseman that maybe hits 18 to 20 homers, it gets pretty interesting when you start discussing. All right, we'll discuss more of this stuff next week. All right. Um, I know you have a big day, a big date with your pillow that's coming up here soon that you can have a nice sleep and not really do anything except get up and make some coffee and write a story tomorrow, which will just be a pleasure for you. I have an 8.30 appointment with Braden Michael Gorash tomorrow, which I cannot wait to do. So if you want to come visit me tomorrow morning by 9.30, I will be at Beverly Park watching my two your old grandson playing the sand and go up and down all kinds of climbing equipment. So if you want to come visit me, I'll be there. I would like to thank our executive producer, Kirk Crawford, our other executive producer, Ann Jeanette Delgado, and the man that saves us every week, Robin Chan, uh, for my play, escape Partner Tomorrow Morning, Braden Michael Gorach. And my partner, Evan Petzold, who survived a very rigorous baseball season, I would like to say, peace!